Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy, Season 3, Episode 6? <laughs> Entitled Band Candy. Okay, you guys, here's what happened. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of um, an introduction. Uh, you know, I just, sometimes I like to let people know at what time and space I am in right now, just so you can get a little bit of an understanding of where I'm at in space and time right now. <laughs> okay. On the space-time continuum, I am, um, it is 1030 at night on the day, you know, because, oh, uh, this podcast, if this is the first time you're ever listening to it, I review, recap, rewatch, talk about, rate, all kinds of R words, every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means, since today is November 10th, today is the day that Band Candy came out. So that's why we're talking about it tonight. I am fortunate enough that this is like you know, kind of a fun, I mean, it's definitely a fun episode. It's not too serious. So I feel like, um, I'm going to be doing the review of this episode a little bit unconventionally for me, because I think it will take less time to record. So here's where I am on the space-time continuum and why I'm, normally I would be recording this at like, you know, 10 in the morning, not 10 at night. And I'm drinking sleepy time tea. Hopefully that won't, like, you know, put me to sleep. But just to let you guys know where I am on the space-time continuum so you know where I'm coming from. The reason why I'm recording this late at night is because um, normally I would, if I'm off on a Saturday, which is when these episodes generally fall, um, normally I would just, like, get up, have some breakfast, work on the Buffy episode. And it usually takes me about three to five hours the way that I generally do it. Cause I, I do a lot of research, um, leading up to the Buffy episode. And that's just the day of that. It takes me like three to five hours before that, like during the week, I always listen to a podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, where they talk about the particular episode that I'm about to talk about. And I watch the episode with my mom um, on a Thursday night when we hang out the Thursday before. Um, and that time that I watch it, I just watch it. I don't take notes. I just let myself enjoy it. And, you know, I kind of think about things that I want to say, but I don't take any notes that time. And then the day of, I'm a process queen. So sorry if you don't like this type of thing, but I love... Um, knowing how people do things, what their workflow is. So that's why I'm telling you guys right now. And so normally I would just get up, have breakfast. Um, I would go upstairs and I would watch the episode and take notes. And I usually watch it at my computer. So that way I, you know, I'm right there next to the space bar. I can press pause and I pre press pause often. So like it takes me probably a good hour and a half just to watch the episode because I'm pausing it every two seconds to take notes. And then after I get done watching the episode and taking notes, I have several books that I consult. I look up in the index um, the name of the episode to see if any of my particular Buffy books 
talk about the episode and, you know, if they talk about philosophical things surrounding, you know, I've been thinking lately, too, that I need more Buffy books. Like, the ones that I consult, I have more than this, but the, but I don't consult the books that don't have indexes because, you know, if it's not a general episode guide and it doesn't have an index, then I don't want to, like, search through the entire book every time to find if they mention a particular episode. So right now, the only books that I consult, I have three different books and one episode guide that I consult every week. And I would kind of like to have more than that because it seems like pretty often I'll look in the index of all three of those books and there really won't be anything to say. Like last week, I didn't really have anything to say from any of my books. And that's kind of heartbreaking. Um, anyway, so I, I generally I consult my books after I watch the episode and take copious notes. And then I record the podcast. And so, and after that, I upload the podcast and I create a blog post to promote the podcast. And I create and edit a picture to upload to my Instagram to promote it over there. So this entire process, like I said before, takes about three to five hours. Tonight, the reason that I'm starting at 1030 at night, I've had a really long day. It's not been a bad day, but it's just been a very long and tiring day. My grandma recently um, injured her arm so she's having a hard time. It's her shoulder, actually. So she's having a hard time lifting one of her arms. So she asked um, me and my mom. My mom has like a cleaning company. She cleans houses for a living. And I um, do a couple of cheap cleaning jobs myself, one with her every other week um, or sometimes once a month, depending on my work schedule. And then I have another one that I do every single week. So she asked us since we're used to doing that for people if we would clean her house for her right now since you know it's hard for her to do that kind of stuff so we did that today and because it has been a while and we're very very detail oriented and thorough we worked real fucking hard today my grandma has a pretty my grandparents they have a pretty small house it's a very very manageable house like on a regular cleaning schedule, this would be a house that wouldn't, you know, would only take us maybe a couple hours to clean. But because this is the first time we were cleaning it and, you know, you know how it is when you clean your own house. I mean, you're really not, I mean, I'm not anyway, I'm not very thorough cleaning my own house. I'm just like, what the fuck ever? I just vacuumed for 10 minutes. Looks better than it did before. Yeah, I did that thing. Um, so it was just, there was a lot to do. It's not like my grandma's gross or anything. It was just, you know, we were detail cleaning and it took, I think we were there about six hours and we worked pretty much the whole time. We took like 10 minutes to sit down and eat some lunch at one point, but, um, we really did work very hard all day. And then when we got done with that, I had about an hour a little over an hour, about, yeah, maybe an hour and a half I had before some people were coming over to my house. Thankfully, I knew that I was cleaning my grandma's house today, so I cleaned my house yesterday. And the day before that, I had my cleaning job, 
Also, I've been cleaning houses three days in a row. I'm not used to that. My, I don't know how my mom does it. It's, it's so physically exhausting to clean houses. I mean, like, I just, uh, it's a lot. And it's kind of psychologically exhausting as well. For me personally, I, I think I'm weird. But, like, just being so, you have to be really intimate with someone's things when you clean their house. You know, like, you're in their space, surrounded by their things. And you're touching their things because you have to clean them. And you're moving their things. And it's, it's just a very intimate thing. And you really do get to know a person better than you would think. Like, for example, I mean, these are just silly things, but these are my fucking grandparents, okay? I've known them my entire life. But cleaning their house today felt like I was getting to know them in a way that I never had before. Just for example, I mean, these, again, these are little things, but like my grandma, I, she has like this really beautiful tray that she has like her perfume and like some nice things that she's probably had forever, you know, like, I don't know, just nice things that, that a girl has on her nightstand or on her, um, dressing table, you know, like little glass, like pretty little glass things that have like Q-tips in them and stuff like that. I always love shit like that. Just like cute, just like little little fun things and she had this really beautiful little peacock thing um that was just a, a little tiny container and it was just sitting on this beautiful glass tray and she actually had like four or five different perfumes and I didn't know that she had different perfumes you know and it was just kind of fun just just like polishing her little perfume bottles and she had one perfume that was called aphrodisiac <laughs> And um, the thing that I learned about my grandpa today, I think it was three, maybe four, there were three or four separate spaces that my grandpa had a pair of nail clippers and nail files. And I thought that was really interesting. And I could tell that they were, because they were all in my grandpa's spaces. Like one of them was in his bathroom. One of them was it on his side of like the end table in the living room. And another one was, I think maybe on his desk or something like that. So it's just like, I think that's kind of an interesting little fact about my grandpa that I didn't know that like he clips and files his nails. He wants to be able to do that at a moment's notice. So he doesn't mind having three different sets of those things. Uh, might be an interesting like Christmas gift or something to give him like maybe like a little pouch or something that he could put those things in <laughs> but he probably doesn't want that he probably doesn't even want to take the time to open a pouch <laughs> but anyway so I cleaned my grandma's house today so that was it was hard work um, six hours of just like scrubbing and cleaning and you know that's physically exhausting um, most of the time my cleaning jobs, um, are about four hours long. So that was way longer than, and if I clean my own house, I'm just like, uh, I got two hours right now. Might as well clean kind of thing. So I never clean that much at my own house anyway. So I did that. And then when I got home, I had about an hour and a half before some people were going to come over 
I think I said that already, sorry. And um, so I was just sort of, I had to shower and sort of run around, do last minute things for that. And people came over and they just left. So um, I am not drunk. However, I have had like, I had this like tiny little goblet that I was drinking out of tonight. It was like barely over shot glass sized and I was drinking wine. So I don't know how to quantify probably the equivalent of two glasses of wine. So it's just really, I was kind of thinking that it might be fun if I was tipsy after people left my house to do like a band candy podcast episode while I was drunk, but I'm really not. But I just wanted you guys to know where I am in the space-time continuum, which is that I am exhausted and I really don't feel like I have the brain power to do this podcast, but this podcast is about watching and recording and whatever roaring this show. <laughs> Every episode, 20 years after its original air date, it's all about that. And I want to stay committed to that. Even if I don't get this up, I'm definitely not going to get this uploaded on the 10th. Best case scenario, I actually have the energy to get it uploaded uploaded tonight before I go to bed. But considering that it's almost 11 right now, I can guarantee that it's going to be after midnight. But at least I'm going to be watching the episode still within the space of the 10th. And all of this is just to say that what I've decided to do that I'm hoping will take a little less time because three to five hours working on this tonight will put me into like working on this until three in the morning. And I don't think I have the stamina for that. So my plan is to not take notes. My plan is in a second, I'm going to pause this podcast. I'm going to start the episode. And as soon as I have something that I would normally pause the episode and write down, I will pause the episode and tell you instead of writing it down. I'm skipping the middleman of the notebook tonight. So you're going to get more off the cuff thoughts, um, which they probably always sound like off the cuff thoughts, but they're actually pretty well thought out most of the time, even if they don't sound like it. Um, but I figured that this was a good episode to do that with because, you know, it's just a fun episode. So let's do a fun approach to the fun episode. So I'm going to go ahead and pop the disc into my computer right now and get it started. And I will come back to let you know my very first thoughts. How about that? Okay, the episode opens with Giles and Buffy studying in the cemetery for the SATs. Um, so kind of a sweet moment to show you. And Giles is kind of dressed fancier than he normally is. I think that's meant to sort of play up the contrast of like, he's fully an adult right now. And most of this episode, he's going to be acting like a child. Um, so just a sweet little moment of him being exasperated with her because she's not really paying attention. And um, Buffy always has people helping her study. No one fucking helped me study in high school. <laughs> I, I never studied. I didn't have to study. It was not required of me to be smart in high school. Um, so anyway, so 
they're studying, then now Buffy is fighting a vampire. Okay, you're up to date. I really had a hard time not pausing it to talk to you guys about things immediately. That's why this takes me so long. Like, I literally pause, like, every 30 seconds to take a minute's worth of notes. I mean, like, maybe I am too thorough. (laughs) I don't know. So the next scene is Mr. Trick and the mayor talking about the mayor is getting him to do something for him. Something about paying a tribute to a demon. And Mr. Trick is... And he says something about, are you sure subcontracting is a way to do this? And Mr. Trick is like, look, this guy's worked this town before. Spoiler alert, Ethan Rain on his way. So exciting. That's one of the reasons why this episode is the best, because Ethan Rain is absolutely amazing. Every episode with Ethan Rain. Um, also, I wanted to mention that um, while they were studying one of the possible answers to one of the multiple questions, choice questions that they were studying was all systems tend towards chaos Um, because it was like a passage that um, Giles read to Buffy and then they were supposed to like talk about the themes of the passage I was always really good at those questions I understood I had reading comprehension skills (laughs) my reading score I didn't take the SATs I took the ACTs I don't know what the fucking difference is but they were basically the same thing as far as I know but I, my reading um, score was, like, off the charts. But my math score was so fucking low that it was just, like, it was abysmal. It was a 16. I remember that. It's just emblazoned in my brain that my score on the math part of the ACTs was 16. I don't remember what my overall score on the ACTs was, but I remember that math score. I don't remember my reading score, but I remember that math score. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So they get to school the next day and they have to sell band candy. So um, it's really interesting that like Snyder just basically is in the cat. It looks like it's the cafeteria and he's just handing out these boxes of chocolates telling them that they had to sell them. Back in my day, in school, if there was some kind of fundraiser, there was always like some big stupid assembly to get us all excited about selling things. <laughs> but it was never just like someone, the principal handing you something and being like, sell this shit, kid. <laughs> but that's how Snyder does it. Um, also, um, this is going to be the quote of the episode, I already know. Um the scene right before they get to the cafeteria. Um, It's like everybody, Cordelia, Xander, Oz, Willow, Buffy, um, walking through school and Buffy's talking about a dream that she just had about like she's having test anxiety dreams. And so they decide that they're going to help her study for the SAT. So they're all just sort of talking about the SATs and, um, and whether or not they're nervous about them and whether or not they think they're stupid and shit like that you know, regular conversations that kids would have in high school, actually. And um, this episode is written by Jane Espenson, by the way. She's a genius. So one of the reasons why this episode is amazing. Um, and Cordelia says something like, I'm not really worried about it. I test well. And everybody just sort of looks at her. And she's like, what? I can't have layers? <laughs> so that's already the quote of the episode right there. Cordelia gets it. 
Okay, so we get a conversation between Joyce and Buffy at, like, dinner time. They're eating Chinese food. And she is asking her mom to buy some of the candy bars, and she buys half of them. Um, and she is asking her if she can drive, and her mom just gets very upset and defensive. And it's like, I don't want you driving because you could just take off to Chicago at any point. She's still very paranoid that Buffy's just going to take off, which is understandable. But, you know, <laughs> and Buffy points out, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not you let me drive. If I wanted to take off, I'd just get on a bus again. And, you know, kind of a cutting thing to say. But um, Joyce is just being ridiculous. Um Anyway, and um, she leaves right after eating so that she can go train with Giles. And earlier in the episode already, she has mentioned that both her mom and Giles are, like, scheduling every moment of her day so far, which is partially true. They both, you know, yeah, it's partially true, but also she is just saying that to everyone to get them a little bit distracted because she's also spending time going to see Angel, which we're about to see here in a second. Oh, and also there's a super funny moment while she's training with Giles that, like, he blinds, blindfolds her and gives her a dodgeball and then says, tells her to, like, wait five seconds to throw the ball at him and she turns around and where she's not facing him right before she throws the ball and he kind of has this smirk on his face like haha you don't know where I am but she like throws the ball so that it bounces off the wall in front of her and then hits him in the head <laughs> just a nice moment um so right now she's about to go talk to Angel so when she goes to see Angel she brings him blood again and he is doing Tai Chi this time and she doesn't know that she didn't know that he could do that and he's all sweaty and topless whatever they were just like what's a good reason you know i know that we don't really have to have a good reason but what's a good reason for angel to be topless oh he's doing tai chi okay <laughs> anyway so he's doing tai chi and he's super sweaty and you know there's sexual tension and shit and he this is the first time that, like, so he sees her as he's doing Tai Chi, and he says her name. And this is, like, the first time that, you know, we're, there are a couple little nuggets in this scene that are supposed to show you that he is doing better. The way that he says her name is not pathetic, which is very odd for him in general. He doesn't go, Buffy. He just says her name like a normal person. Um, no whining or anything. So that's a sign right there that he's doing better. He says he's doing better, but then he starts to kind of like lose his footing and she has to catch him and help him inside. First of all, somebody that just got back from a hell dimension, he has a full fire going in his fireplace. Like, I call bullshit on that because first of all, he's a vampire, so he doesn't need to stay warm. And second of all, I mean, I guess we do know Angel to be somebody that cares about ambiance, but <laughs> I still kind of call bullshit. Like, I think he would probably be too weak to feel like building a fire and stoking it constantly, especially because he was just topless outside in the courtyard. 
sweating while doing Tai Chi. So it's obviously, and they're in California, so it's not really cold enough for a fire anyway, but anyway, whatever. So she like sits them down on the couch next to the fireplace and she gives him the bag that she brought him because she brought him some blood. She brought him blood in the last episode as well and he just sort of like opened it and started drinking it immediately right in front of her. And he had a little moment of like, oh, maybe this is kind of weird to be doing this right now. Or maybe he didn't even start drinking it, but he's just like started to open it like, like, oh my God, blood. Yes, I need this. And then he just realized, oh, I shouldn't do this with her right here. In this episode, it's a similar situation, but he much more readily like she says that's for you and there's a bag sitting next to him and he opens the bag and as soon as he sees that it's blood he just puts it back in and it's much more casual he doesn't have a moment of like almost like gulping the whole thing down in front of her which he could he doesn't have to be ashamed that he's a vampire you know like surely they're past that at this point anyway so she's still taking care of him and they're having a conversation now about how he's getting stronger and she's about to say well pretty soon you won't even need me and he's gonna say yeah that'd be better because it really would be he's not wrong and she's gonna get like sort of upset by that because you know she likes taking care of him she likes the fact that he's her topless vampire secret but you know honestly they both are in a space where they think they need to move on from each other and they really do so they're gonna try that for a while and it's not gonna work out very well as we will see two weeks from tonight in lover's walk we're gonna get that great speech from spike where he tells them you guys are gonna you guys are trying to be friends but it's never gonna work you're never gonna be friends and this is sort of the beginnings of that situation because you know we really haven't seen this part of their relationship yet because you know first they he was just stalker protector guy then they fell in love then he became evil then he went to hell and then she had to take care of him so that's where we are right now so we're just now seeing the first inklings of you know we should probably not try to pursue a relationship because now they know that they can't consummate their relationship and I think that's all they think about when they're together. Like, it's all just sexual tension all over the place. Like, he's topless and sweaty. She inadvertently asks him to smell her and then gets awkward. And, you know, like, I don't know. It's, um, it's sweet, I guess, that they really care about each other. And it's a tragic love story. It really is. But, okay, let's move on. Okay, I just made a realization, possibly. So Buffy gets back home and she tells her mom, I'm sorry, I'm late. You know, Giles is all slay all the time. And her mom's kind of mad, you can tell. She's eating the candy bar, just, you know, just to note that. Giles steps out from the shadows and he's like, hi, Buffy. So they have realized that, you know, she's doing this. She's making them into... You know, she's playing them against each other and making them each other's alibis and all that. Because she, she keeps telling Giles that her mom just wants her home all the time. And she keeps telling her mom that Giles wants her to slay all the time and train. And she's she's just lying to everyone right now. Because she just lied to Angel as well. He asked her how Scott was, which 
pretty thoughtful. Like, ex-boyfriend just came back from a hell dimension and he asks how the new boyfriend is by name. He doesn't say, how's that guy or whatever, like most dudes would do. Yes, actually asks by name and Buffy lies to him too. She starts to tell him, she's like, oh, Scott, the boyfriend. Um, well, really, we're not. She starts to say that they broke up, but then she decides not to. She just says, he's fine. And she's been, you know, weaving this story with her friends as well, talking, you know, when they want to do something with her, she's like, well, Giles wants me to slay all the time or wants me to train all the time. And mom wants me at home because she's so overprotective. And I mean, they really are doing these things, but I just put something together. Maybe this isn't true, but like, I'm really overall, most of the time, every time that I've watched this, I'm really mad at Buffy during this time period because she's keeping Angel as a secret. And it is irresponsible of her to do that. But I actually think I get it now. She is very overstimulated. And then this scene where her mom and Giles are sort of confronting her, like, you can't do this. You're lying to everyone about your whereabouts. And um, Buffy just sort of says, I don't need this much active parenting. Like, you guys need to back off a little bit. Like, you're scheduling me 24-7. And she has a really good point there. And maybe because she feels so overwhelmed, because her mom is freaking out and wants her home all the time because she ran away, and Giles is probably also freaking out in his own way, worried that she's going to run away again. So he's training her a lot and wanting to spend more time with her. And probably in some way her friends are doing the same and they want to, maybe they want to spend extra time with her right now. And she is just overwhelmed and she's still, I mean, it's still only been like a month or so since she got back. So she spent like a good three or four months in LA completely by herself, just like not talking to anyone, not doing anything. So that would kind of be a shock to the system to already, I mean, being surrounded by people you love, not a bad thing, but she probably feels most comfortable around Angel because he doesn't say much at all. <laughs> he needs to just be taken care of. And that's a simple thing. You know, she goes over there, he says four words to her. They sit together for an hour or so. I don't know. You know, that's probably the most peaceful part of her day right now. And because everyone is very overbearing and overprotective of her right now and overparenting and all that stuff, I think I understand. Like it's partially an overstimulus thing that like, telling them about Angel right now would just be such a big thing that it's just like, I can't deal with that right now. Like every single second is taken up by everyone scheduling my time. And she, you know, she feels out of control of her own life. I get it. Actually, I, I, a lot of the times that I get mad at Buffy for keeping a secret, which is what I usually get mad at Buffy about. It's probably kind of what I would do as well. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, I hate it because she 
needs to tell Giles. Like, I can understand, obviously I can understand her not telling her mom about Angel. But I can understand her not even telling her friends, but she needs to tell Giles. And I get that, you know, the fact that Angel tortured him and, you know, it's going to be a thing. It is going to be a thing, but she needs to tell him and she can have that sort of space and silence with Giles. She can trust Giles. I don't know. I mean, there is a time in her near future that she can't trust Giles. We'll get there. But um, anyway, uh, so that's where we are. They're passing the candy back and forth. Giles and Joyce um, just sort of casually like like it's a joint or something while they're yelling at Buffy. Um, so that's where we are right now. So they're in study hall, I guess, which looks like the science room. But whatever. I love this classroom. It's just like, it's, it's such a science classroom. I love it. It, it makes me nostalgic. <laughs> um, and Buffy and Cordelia are sitting next to each other and Xander and Willow are sitting behind them at a lab table. And like the teacher is late and it's supposed to be Giles. Giles is supposed to be doing study hall and they're just sort of waiting. Like all the students are waiting for a teacher to show up. So this is when it's starting to take effect because like um the the candy is starting to take effect because all the the authority figures and teachers are acting weird and um so cordelia is kind of having a conversation with buffy about library books and giles and xander and whatever and right behind them xander and willow are playing footsie Luckily, this scene is the only time that we have to deal with the whole Xander Willow shenanigans this particular episode. Um, I imagine we will get more of it in the next episode, and we definitely will get the end of this whole fucking stupid thing in two weeks from today, thank God. <laughs> but, anyway. So they're playing footsie, and the teacher's not showing up. Snyder's about to like force some random teacher to cover the study hall because Giles didn't show up and she's acting kind of weird and she comes in the room and she's just like okay let's wait until that mean Snyder is gone pretend to be reading wait till he's gone and then we can all get out of here and everybody's like okay cool <laughs> what's up with miss whatever her name is um so that's where we are feel like me doing the podcast in this way just means that I am telling you I'm watching two minutes and then pausing and then telling you what I just saw like I feel like I'm not giving my usual amount of insights into things so I'm sorry about that because this is a very good episode maybe we'll have to revisit this episode sometime during a summer or something and I can have a guest and we can watch this again and talk about it or something. So, um, sorry if this is a lackluster episode on this particular day, but that's going to happen sometimes. It's the nature of life. If I didn't have to record tonight, then it would be different. But because of the rules I set for myself, we're going to sometimes have off days. So whatever, here we go. Okay, so Buffy, after class, goes to check on Giles since he just didn't show up, and that's not like him. And he is at his apartment with Joyce, and he 
they tell Buffy that they just decided that they needed to meet and it took priority over school and they needed to, you know, figure out a good schedule for Buffy, I guess. So, um, yeah, that, that would be, that would be a lot. I can understand from Buffy's standpoint, like what my watcher and my mom are sitting around planning, like the schedule of my life and she's like sounds nice and structured <laughs> um but Joyce tells her you know we've got some more work to do here so why don't you take the car and you know she had just given her this lecture like two scenes ago about how she doesn't want her driving she just literally said I do not want you driving and so that's a big deal that she gives her the keys to the car and then the next scene is or just as soon as she walks out the door, Giles and Joyce are like, do you think she noticed anything? He, and Giles turns around from, he was facing the mantle, he turns around from facing the mantle, um, lighting a cigarette. So they're passing cigarettes back and forth, like as if they were joints. <laughs> um, they're drinking Kahlua, they're listening to records laying on the floor of Giles's apartment. And so you can tell that something is going on. Like, what are they doing? They're drinking, they're getting high, they're listening to records. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> so, um, they're listening to David Bowie, I think, maybe? Um, anyway. Giles has a lot of good records that it has been established. Has it been established yet? I feel like Oz, I know there's a scene of Oz looking through Giles's records telling him that he has an impressive record collection. I don't know if that's happened yet or if it's in the future. I'm going to go ahead and name my object of the episode. This is something that I've probably named before and it's a really big object so it probably shouldn't get to count. But you know what? I'm tired and every single time I see the set that is Giles's apartment. I am so happy. I love everything about it. The only thing is he doesn't really have any purple in his apartment. That's, that's really the only thing that's lacking from his apartment. It's like this really cool, possibly Spanish revival. I don't know enough about architecture to know if that's absolutely accurate, but he has like really cool Spanish tiles on the risers of his stairs and around his fireplace. He has great archways in his apartment. It's cozy. It's not too big. The things that he actually has in his apartment are, are all like functional and lived in looking. They really look like the apartment of a stylish librarian. It's just great. And his walls are just, I want to find out like what green that is. Hey mom, next time we're watching together, let's pause when we get to Giles's apartment. Next time we see Giles's apartment in an episode while we're watching together, let's pause it and figure out what fucking color that is, okay? Because <laughs> it's just, it's just the perfect English librarian comforting watcher green. <laughs> it's just the best. So my object of the episode is Giles's entire apartment, which is clearly cheating, but whatever. I do what I want. Okay. So Joyce is calling Giles Ripper, which is interesting. And Giles, uh, Anthony Stewart Head is such a brilliant actor. Like I've said it a million times, 
but he is reverting to he's using his more like his real accent his actual accent is pretty much the way that spike talks it's not that sort of more sophisticated british accent that he uses as giles most of the time so he reverts to his old accent in this um episode when he's acting like the teenager and i think that's a really interesting and cool choice because it's 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 not so so different that you necessarily cognitively notice it um like i don't think i noticed it until i watched it the other day and i've you know that's like the 10th time i've seen this episode at least you know so um it took me that many times to notice it but it's it's interesting because he's using that and you can tell that he's definitely I mean, we know a little bit about Giles's past, so we do know that he was a little bit, you know, Ethan Rain was one of his best friends, and Ethan uh, worships chaos and always has. Ethan really hasn't changed, while Ripper has. Ripper has become Rupert Giles. So, um he's clearly you know a bad boy influence on the teenage joyce teenage joyce is basically just sort of she's sort of a wispy like not very interesting character and that's unfortunate but she but i think it it tracks for the hmm, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I think it tracks. Like, it makes sense, I guess, that Joyce wouldn't be that interesting as a teenager, but, um, I don't know. First of all, I just want to point out, Faith is not in this episode at all, which is kind of disappointing, because it would be fun to throw her in the mix of, like, you know, figuring out what's going on with the adults. So the next scene after you see them like smoking cigarettes, drinking, and hanging out at Giles' apartment. It's night now, so they've been doing that for several hours. Um, the next scene is Willow and Buffy go to the bronze. Um, Buffy, you've seen at this point that Buffy's driving is terrible. Like, so bad. Is her mom not, I mean, I guess not because her mom's kind of neglectful. I guess her mom's not really teaching her at all how to drive. She's just sort of like avoiding the whole thing. She's just like, I don't want you to drive. Therefore, I will not help you drive. Therefore, you will be terrible at driving if you try to drive because no one's teaching you. Like, no one's teaching her to drive. Her driving is the worst. Anyway, somehow they made it to the bronze without dying despite Buffy's terrible driving skills. And they show up and the bronze is just crawling with like you know adults with their teachers and like willow points out that her doctor is on stage like topless singing louie louie or whatever like they're starting to put it together uh, giles and joyce were able to act like adults when buffy went to check on him and they were there they 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 covered well but now that they're in the bronze, this is the first time that they are noticing that something is weird with the adults. 
Oh, I forgot to mention there was a tiny little scene in the factory that, you know, where we first find out that Ethan Rain is behind this. So there's like a factory where they're making the chocolate and boxing up the chocolate and they're still doing it, I guess. Um, so we still don't know why, what the actual tribute is, why this is their plan to get the adults to act like teenagers. But um, so Buffy and Willow put it together real quick while they're at the bronze you know they just like Snyder comes up and he's acting real weird oh my god Armin Shimmerman playing Principal Snyder he is so much fun in this episode um but they put it together really fast they're just like what is happening it's happening to a lot of adults they're acting like a bunch of and then Buffy interrupts Willow and says like a bunch of us so like they immediately see that that is what is happening um that they're acting like teenagers. Uh, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say and I don't remember what it was. Oh yeah, okay. I think it would have, in someone else's hands, if it hadn't been like Jane Espenson writing this episode, if it had been, you know, just some regular stupid white dude, <laughs> I think it would have been tempting for them to decide that when the adults are acting like teenagers I mean it's sad that I think this but I think they could have easily while they were having the adults acting like teenagers they could have had the adults be attracted to teenagers but they don't do that at all the adults are still only interested in each other like Snyder like makes a comment about foxy ladies but he's referring to other women his age and you know Giles is not hitting on like one of the kids or anything you know like they all still it's not like they've lost their memories at all like Joyce still realizes that she's Buffy's mom she's just acting different she just feels different but she hasn't lost any of her memories and Giles still knows that he's Buffy's watcher um so it's like none of them are being inappropriate at all they're just acting like they're drunk basically so I think that's I mean what I think is stupid that I I mean it's sad that I think this but I feel like that's kind of unique that they're not having them they they could have blamed it on the spell and had Snyder like hit on Buffy or some stupid bullshit, but he doesn't do that. I mean, he tries to hit on Joyce at one point, but she's age appropriate for him or closer to age appropriate. I don't know. He's probably still older than her, but you know what I'm saying. Could have also been the quote of the episode, Oz, um, they're kind of getting him up to date on this whole thing and they're sort of standing around still in the bronze, like what is going on? And um, Oz is like, they're teenagers. That's a sobering mirror to look into, huh? <laughs> okay, so then we go back to Giles and Joyce. They're wandering around town now. They've left his apartment and they're sort of having converse conversation. Joyce is saying that she feels like she's just waking up, like that having a kid was all, getting married and having a kid was all a dream, but now everything feels right again, which is kind of sad, you know? That's a it's just like, uh, that's just like a sad little philosophical moment right there and philosophical look into Joyce's most secret thoughts. Um, 
then she sees like a jacket that she likes in a store window but the store is closed and um giles just like breaks the window and steals it for her and then a cop catches them and now giles is taunting the cop so snyder jumped in the car with buffy because they were at the bronze and they were just like okay well obviously we need to go talk to giles but he might also be a teenager again (laughs) but and then Oz sort of says well I mean even if he is he's he would still be Giles right he seems like a pretty good together guy because he wasn't around when they found out some of Giles's past that he used to you know be into black magic and like that he was just sort of a sort of a bad kid (laughs) So we're seeing Giles being a bad kid. He's wearing a little bit of eyeliner. Um, he his The wardrobe choices that they gave to Giles were pretty terrible. That said, um, he looks hot this episode just because of the eyeliner, basically. I'm trying to think, like, at this point, Anthony's direct head, I think, I think they probably are trying to paint him as like a 45 year old guy. So when would he have been a teenager? 30 years before. So 30 years before 1998. So, I mean, I guess that kind of tracks the way that he's dressing. He's wearing like jeans and a white t-shirt. He has like his cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve of the t-shirt cuff I think it would have made sense for him to be wearing a leather jacket, but maybe he's not because maybe he doesn't still have any leather jacket that he would have worn in the 60s when he was still a teenager. But I feel like teenage Giles Ripper, if you will, would have been wearing a leather jacket, and I think that would have made more sense in this context. I don't know. Like, maybe they could have shown him, like, digging a dusty leather jacket out of the back of his closet that he just never got rid of you know i feel like that would have been a nice little touch but i didn't write this episode so that didn't happen his wardrobe is pretty terrible because it's just like a white t-shirt with a hole in it he has a flannel shirt tied around his waist and he's wearing jeans that have like paint on them so i I do like that it's kind of it kind of makes sense that he would have had those clothes on hand. He has a pair of jeans that have paint on them, so he obviously, like, you know, does work around the house in a pair of jeans. Like, that would be the only time that Giles would ever be wearing jeans. That makes sense. But the white t-shirt with the hole in it, like, maybe that's also part of his painting outfit. Like, you never see him wearing a white t-shirt in any context whatsoever. I mean, it would make sense that he might have one as an undershirt or something, though. So, I mean, at least the items of clothing that clothing that he's wearing would be things that are in his wardrobe but i don't know <laughs> i spent a lot of time analyzing the fashion of buffy i do think it's kind of interesting it seems like they did put some thought into what the different adults are wearing when they're acting like teenagers a lot of them are just like wearing outfits that they were probably wearing to work earlier in the day there's a lot of them in suits and stuff like that but like the main characters like they have Joyce wearing she's sort of styled in a little bit of a 70s way which makes sense because she was a teenager in the 70s like I think they're putting a little bit of thoughtfulness into that at least 
Um, yeah. So now a cop, a cop is pointing a gun at Giles and he's taunting the cop. I think he's about to steal the gun from the cop and knock him out. And that is when the fateful moment when Joyce and Giles have sex on the hood of a cop car. You don't know that for sure. It's just sort of implied at the end of this episode. You find out for sure later in an episode. I think it's still in this season. Yeah, it's still in season three. Um, when Buffy can read people's minds and she like overhears her mom thinking about this moment. So she that's when it is confirmed for sure, sure. But... Um, yeah, you just basically see them, like, making out on the hood of the cop car, and then it goes to a new scene. Okay, so Buffy and Snyder and Oz and Willow get in a car accident because somebody, some guy doesn't stop, and he's distracted by opening the candy bar. They really lay it on thick. Like, I imagine that, I mean, I'm not a super smart person when it comes to guessing plot elements, but the first time I saw this, I'm sure I didn't get it. But they're really laying it on thick. Like, every single scene that shows an adult shows them, like, with one of the candy bars sticking out of their shirt pocket. Or just, like, they're all fucking eating this candy. So, um, after the wreck, they get out of the car and Buffy sort of puts it together. She's, they're in a neighborhood when they get out of the car after the wreck. And they notice that, you know, like, there are just adults standing around out in their yards. And, like, she's like, no one's protecting their houses. Like, what's going on? Like, shouldn't the vampires be attacking? Like, soup's on, but no one's grabbing a spoon. And they put that together pretty quickly. Like, really, they put the whole thing together pretty quickly. Like, adults are acting weird. What the fuck's that about? They're acting like teenagers. Must be the candy bars. So luckily Snyder was with them because he just jumped in the car. And there was this great moment whenever they first drove off after he jumped in the car. Wow, Summers. Whoa, Summers. You drive like a spaz. <laughs> but anyway, so he's there so Buffy can like, you know, what's the deal? Where did the candy bars come from, Snyder? Because, you know, he's the one that handed them to her. Um... And he says something about the school board. And so Buffy tells Oz and Willow to go research whatever is going on, possibly. And they just sort of skip the whole we're going to Giles thing right now, um, which is smart, I think. I don't know. Because they were going to Giles before they got in the wreck. But then they don't get back in the car because, well, it's probably hard to drive now because the whole side of it's smashed in. Anyway. So she's got Snyder now, and they're going to the factory, which Giles and Joyce happen to be making out right in front of the factory. Like, I don't know why. Like, there's a bunch of adults just sort of milling around outside the chocolate factory. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate factory. So this is when Buffy is... No, she drove there, because she's pulling up in the car, I think. Anyway, whatever. So this is when um, Buffy sees the two of them making out, and it's... Super disturbing, of course, but she handles it pretty damn well, considering. Um, yeah, and then she, you know, it's prop. The episode's pretty much wrapping up at this point. Like she, once she sees Giles and her mom making out outside the chocolate factory, 
they go into the factory and um Buffy sees Ethan and she's like oh obviously you're behind this whole thing and she just kind of beats him up a little bit and Giles has this awesome moment where like the dynamic between Giles and Buffy when Giles is being a teenager is really good because they're both such great actors that it just it's just so fun to watch and there's just this great moment when she is confronting Ethan and she's sort of like punching the information out of him as to what's going on when's it gonna wear off what's going what is the purpose of this whole thing shit like that and she's getting information out of him and Giles is kind of just like behind her he's he's just like taunting her like hit him hit him you're my slayer hit him so another interesting aspect of like when Giles actually was a teenager he was really close with Ethan so if they were back to complete teenage mentality and they're not like I said before like it's not it's not like they forgot anything that happened to them from the age of 18 on or anything like that you know they're just acting like teenagers they just feel like teenagers they still have all the memories of their lives so Giles is still at odds with Ethan because he has been in his adult life um so he's not you know like on his side or anything like that and it's just it's so fun you're you're my slayer and he does like he just keeps taunting her to hit him and when she finally does he does this little jump <laughs> that is just the cutest thing because you see her in the foreground she's in focus and she's you know like in the stance and she's about to, and she hits Ethan, finally, and Giles just does his little jump, and he's like, yes! <laughs> and there's also this great moment when, when Buffy first discovers Giles and Joyce making out together, and they're acting like teenagers, and this is the first time that he, I mean, because he covered it before, this is the first time that she's confronting Giles as he's being a teenager, it's the first time she's witnessing him in full teenager mode, and he starts to get kind of bad boy confrontational with her for a second and she just looks at him and she's like think about this Giles do you really want to argue with me or something like that and he just like looks at her and he does this little move where he just like puts his hands through his hair and grabs a cigarette from behind his ear and it's just like this little moment of like like he thought about being confrontational but he's like oh no I don't want to fight with her because she's way stronger than me you know and then he just immediately kind of starts following her around and like trying to help her and so that's nice um, again, Giles, Joyce doesn't really have an active part in any of this. She just kind of waits around chewing gum, sitting on a conveyor belt in the factory, waiting for, you know, Buffy and Giles to save the day, which is unfortunate that she's not more of a badass, but she's not. So anyway, I think that's most of the episode, but I'm going to go ahead and watch it and see what other thoughts I have. Obviously, I will come back to have other thoughts, but you know. There's a nice little moment when Ethan sees Giles, um, because when they storm into the factory, it's Snyder, Joyce, Giles, and Buffy, and they storm into the factory, and it looks sort of abandoned, like no one's in there working anymore, but Ethan's on the phone talking to somebody, like, yeah, time, town's wide open, anytime, you guys want to, you know, strike, or whatever. We still don't know what the tribute is, 
um, he turns around and he sees Buffy and then he when he acknowledges Giles it's kind of this nice little moment of like Ripper <laughs> I think he normally calls Giles Ripper because he knows him from that time period of when Rupert was Ripper but um, I think it's just an interesting um, little moment of like he just a moment of glee from <laughs> from Ethan when he sees um, Giles in the, you know, in the aspect of his development that he knew him best in, you know? Um, I, I love Ethan Rain so much. I, he, you know, he's like a trickster guy. He worships chaos. You can sort of see in the scenes that he is in with Mr. Trick when Mr. There's a moment where Mr. Trick like breaks someone's neck right in front of Ethan and he just seems a little put off by it. Like he's going along with it. So it's not like he's a great guy or anything, but you can tell he's kind of uncomfortable with killing. And Ethan was never really about killing. I mean, if something happens that is bad on his watch of some weird chaotic spell that he cast, fine. Like, you know, he was the one that was responsible for that whole Halloween costume debacle. And, like, I think he probably realized that some people might get hurt, but he wasn't blaming himself for that. And he, you know, he, I don't think he would hurt someone directly, really. Um, so he's, I don't know. He really is chaotic neutral for the most part. And literally, I just, I just like his character, you know. He's smart, he's snarky, he has, you know, a past relationship, intimate relationship of some kind with Giles. A lot of people like to believe that it was, you know, kind of an intimate relationship, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Ripper, Ethan <laughs> fan fiction, but um, yeah, it's, it's just a nice little moment between them. Um, also, I wanted to, so then we get a little scene of... This is really the only time we get Cordelia and Xander in this episode. And that's kind of nice to have less Xander in an episode. Like, he really hasn't been in it until now. And you're just going to hear a couple lines from him, and that's it until the end of the episode. So he's really, despite that stupid little footsie moment earlier in the episode, he's just really not in this episode very much. And that's kind of a nice, refreshing, just a little Xander break. I mean, sometimes you need a Xander break. Anyway, Cordelia and Willow are talking as they're doing research because um, it's Cordelia, Willow, Xander, and Oz at the library doing research now. And God, how great would that be? You know, one of, I, I just feel so much comfort from the sets of Buffy overall, um, especially the library. Just all the domains of Giles make me feel so safe and comfortable. <laughs> like, I I would definitely be, like, I would be Willow in this, you know? I'm, I'm not a Ravenclaw, but I'm really not the one that would be out there fighting things, you know? I would be one of the people at the library doing the research. <laughs> I really would. And they're just, like, sitting there with their little table lamps doing the research. I mean, there's something going on. And, you know, they, they've got some adrenaline. they got to find out what's going on and all that shit. But, like, also, they're in a nice, comfortable library. And they're safe from all the weird adults right now. <laughs> anyway. 
um, Cordelia says something here that I just want to go on record as disagreeing with. She starts talking about how her mom was acting funny and she started borrowing her clothes. And then she says, there should be an age limit on Lycra pants. I disagree. I think I'm going to have to pause this and like go get a beverage real quick. So, cause I'm just like, my mouth is so dry. So I can tell you why I disagree with there should be an age limit on Lycra pants. Okay. Okay. This whole societal mentality of like, when you get older, you should stop wearing certain things. Um, I used to kind of, I think I was sort of susceptible to that mentality for a while. I had like a weird, confusing time in my like late 20s where like I felt like I shouldn't wear the things that, because I mean, I'm a little heavier than I was in high school, but for the most part, I still fit in, I don't fit in any kind of pants that uh, I fit in in high school, but for the most part, I fit in like dresses that I had in high school and I still have several items of clothing that I've had since that time period. And I went through a period of time where like I would still wear some of that stuff but I felt weird about it. I felt like bad that like, maybe I'm too old to be wearing this shit. And then I just, I don't know. I want to share with you a differing viewpoint. I think that whatever you want to wear, no matter what you should wear, like, you know, as long as you're happy and you're comfortable in what you're wearing and if you're in like a work situation where you have to follow a dress code, fine. Like I will go on record as saying, you know, buck the dress code if you want to as well. Like fuck it. If you don't want to follow the dress code, like argue with that shit. Um, I'm on board for that as well. But you know, if you feel like you need to follow the dress code, as long as you're within that dress code, wear whatever the fuck you want. There was this deal. I don't know why I'm thinking about this. I mean, I guess it kind of relates, but there was this moment I was dating this guy. It was in 2005 and it was just like a, a sort of, it was a short term thing for me. I'm kind of a serial monogamous. I did date this guy for eight months, but for me, that's a pretty short period of time. Anyway, I was getting dressed to, I was dating this guy. We were living together. I was getting dressed to go to a Rasputina concert. And I just felt like, and I would do the same today. I mean, this was, you know, 13 years ago and I would do the same today. God, that's so weird to think that 2005 was 13 years ago. Fuck. Anyway, so I was getting dressed for the Rasputina concert and I was in my like, in my slips. Like I have like, I have like this absurdly large collection of like vintage slips and like undergarment type things. And I was just like getting them out and layering them and wearing them as outerwear. You know, I was going to wear like a slip and a corset and you know, some boots and just do the whole like Courtney love 
situation and that's what I decided was the appropriate outfit for the Rasputina concert and my boyfriend at the time who was like kind of a frat boy type although he didn't go to college but you know he was that type he was very like he wore like god the most vanilla clothes of all time he really had no sense of style this was the only time I ever dated a guy that didn't have a sense of style like I don't really care what the style is but for me like I want to surround myself with humans that have their own sense of style of some kind of style you know but he didn't he didn't really have a sense of style it was just all boring ass shit but anyway I never shamed him for him not having any sense of style never not once but I'm standing there like putting on my slips and shit getting ready to go and I'm excited about the concert and he shames me for it I don't remember exactly what he said but it was something you know it was basically the are you really gonna go out in that kind of conversation and I was like oh that's a deal breaker like for me that is number one deal breaker you can't make fun of what I wear and I don't know why I'm bringing that up except that it's 12 19 a.m so it's officially not the 10th anymore you guys sorry about it I think I'm pretty damn tired tonight so when I finish recording this so I apologize if any of you like to listen to these episodes on the day um I really 95% of the time want to get these things to you at a reasonable hour on the day, but I think as tired as I am right now, I think I'm just going to go ahead and finish the recording process, but I'm not going to upload it until tomorrow because I don't have the energy to like do all the like photo editing and promotion and blah, 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 because that's like another hour of work right there. So I'm going to save that for tomorrow, but let's go ahead and finish the episode now. I just wanted to go on record as saying that I love Cordelia, but I disagree that there is an age limit on Lycra pants. Like sometimes people don't look good in things, but that doesn't matter. It matters how good they feel in things. You know, like this whole shaming people for what they wear thing is just, it's so tired Like, we've been doing that for decades, centuries even. Let's just stop that shit. Wear whatever you feel good in. Like, fuck off with everybody. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay. It's babies. That's what the tribute is. So they find that out after, you know, torturing Ethan for information. Um... Basically, this whole thing is just so they can feed four newborn babies to a snake demon. And the snake demon is called Lurconus, which is like a word meaning a name meaning like gluttony or something. But they only have to give him this tribute every 30 years. It's like, I mean, I don't want to sound heartless. And I definitely don't think that babies should be sacrificed to a snake demon. But it only eats four newborn babies every 30 years. I mean, it's not that big of a threat to society. (laughs) Like, I'm still against the baby feeding, but that's not a big threat to society at all. It wouldn't have 
warranted distracting an entire town by feeding them candy that made them act like teenagers. I mean, if they're, I, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense though, because they just sort of hired Ethan, Mr. Trick hired Ethan to like figure out how to distract the adults long enough to get the tribute. So I guess it makes sense that this would be the way that Ethan would choose to execute that plan. So I'll, I'll give it a pass for that. Anyway, so Buffy is calling them at the library and they're, I'm just trying to predict what's going to happen in the last 10 minutes right now. Um, she's going to catch up. How does she find where they are? I don't know how she finds where they are, but they're at the hospital and I think she's calling Willow from the hospital. Um, or no, we're just seeing the guys take the babies from the hospital. Anyway, God, sorry. I'm just like really losing my marbles at this point in the night. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, Okay, so at some point, Buffy's going to catch up and she's going to um, defeat the snake demon, which is really, really, really bad snake CGI. I mean, that's kind of what Buffy the Vampire Slayer is known for, is the bad snake CGI, <laughs> right? Um, I don't really know. Like, there's like still 10 minutes left or some shit, and I really don't know how there's 10 minutes left of this episode because they're about to catch up. I guess we still need to find out that there's the babies, and there's still a conversation at the end after the, the demon is defeated and they save the babies. There's a conversation at the end um, between Mr. Trick and the mayor in which... Like, the mayor's sort of, like, reprimanding him for the situation, getting out of control or whatever. But Mr. Trick is like, I don't see the problem. I mean, one less demon you have to pay a tribute to. And, you know, the mayor gets threatening towards him. But overall, nobody's really that sad that the snake demon is dead. Um, Joyce is, even in her teenager state, she's very upset about the babies. She's like, oh, the babies. <laughs> not the babies <laughs> which is kind of how my mom reacted she was like no not babies <laughs> which is you can tell I'm not like the maternal type because like yeah I I'm against them sacrificing the babies but I wasn't actually thinking oh no the babies I was more just thinking god those crying baby sound effects sound so awful <laughs> I hate the baby crying sounds um I mean nobody likes the sound of babies crying but yeah um and then we get a funny scene <sighs> i just brought you guys content right there i mean you hardly ever hear someone yawning on a podcast <laughs> you're welcome so then we get a final scene of it's like buffy getting dropped off at school the next day and giles and joyce are both there and i I, yeah, I'll tell you more about that conversation, I guess, when we get to it. But I, the very last shot is, like, 
Buffy saying, well, thank God I got you guys in time before anything happened. And then she sort of walks off. Oh, Joyce must be picking her up from school because she's walking towards the car. Um, and Joyce and Giles just sort of like look at each other awkwardly and they're like, yeah, thank God you got there in time. <laughs> and then credits. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and watch the last 10 minutes and see if there's anything else I need to update you guys on. Either way, I'll come back and let you know my ratings and shit. Okay, that's it. There was a nice little moment when Buffy is talking to Giles at the end, and she's just sort of saying, I don't know, I just felt so bewildered, and like I didn't know up was down, down was up. I just I felt so confused, and um, I am paraphrasing heavily right there, because I've got no memory, even though I just saw her say these words. And Giles just says, was that the math or the verbal? <laughs> so they were talking about the SATs in that moment and not, you know, the fact that, you know, everybody's okay now. The adults are acting like adults again. Snyder's still be just going back to being a dick, making them clean vandalism that the adults did in the, uh, on the lockers. Sprite painted kiss rocks on the lockers. Um... Then there's the awkward moment between Joyce and Giles, and that's it. That's the episode. So I'm trying to think, like, I'm not really looking it up in my episode guide or anything like that because reading, reading is hard. <laughs> I really am just like, it's probably partly because I'm autistic, I guess. That's what I like to blame it on. But, like, I am just not good with, like, having days where like the whole day is scheduled so that's basically what this particular day was um I just cleaned then immediately had people over and had to be social which is fine like being social is not a bad thing but it was just it's just an exhausting thing and as soon as they left I had to immediately start recording for this podcast and now it's twelve forty-two in the morning so Let's get to the ratings. I'm not normally this tired at 12.42 in the morning, but I think it's just because of, you know, this day was physically and emotionally exhausting. So, I just keep, like, this whole podcast is just me talking about how tired I am. Like, how boring is that? Like, I really admire people that can just rally, you know? Like, there are definitely times that I've listened to a podcast where somebody's like, dude, it's 2 a.m., and I'm tired, but they'll just say that at the beginning and then they'll, you know, do a good job and call it a day, but not me. I still talk about it the entire time. So sorry about that. Um, let's get to the ratings. Um, should I go ahead and do like the whole, if you guys like what you heard tonight, <laughs> um, I will be back next week. I'm not going to do all the stuff that I always do. I have a Patreon. I have a PayPal. Those are both under Mixtress Ray. So if you guys want to contribute anything to my creative endeavors, I would very, very, very much appreciate it. As always, those links are also in the, um, the description of the podcast as well. Um, I also have a thing like no one has utilized it yet, but um, you'll see if you look in my podcast description, there's like, um, something about tarot readings 
in there. Um, I'm basically, I'm practicing a lot with tarot cards lately and I'm getting a little better at it. And I also like to do shuffles of music to incorporate it into tarot readings. So if you want to be involved in that at all, you can send me, you know, a little bit in my tip jar. I need to do that for my mom, actually, because she is one of my patrons. And I think she mentioned, I'm just realizing that she mentioned that at one point. So sorry, mom, I forgot until just now, but we will do that at some point. If anyone else wants to do it, um, look in the description of the podcast and you will see the rates for that. It's pretty cheap. So um, let's get into ratings for the episode. So I just really, there aren't any good outfits in this episode except Joyce's outfit. I really do like her outfit when she's um, in teenager mode. She is wearing, even before she gets that like funky coat, she is wearing um, like knee boots, a mini skirt, like a just a kind of generic gray v-neck shirt with a choker and her hair is real funky and interesting like it's still Joyce hair but it's it's got some youth to it <laughs> and she's wearing like a I don't know what it is it's kind of like a floor length it's not really a jacket like maybe it's a dress that she just that unbuttoned or something and she just had it unbuttoned I don't know really what it was but it was just I don't know it's hard to describe but the boots were kind of chunky which I mean I guess I don't know um it was a nice outfit so she gets outfit of the episode quote like I said before was Cordelia what I can't have layers the object of the episode is Giles's apartment, as I said before. MVP of the episode. Um, not that I condone his chaotic behavior, but his episodes, episodes surrounding um, Ethan Rain are always fun. We only have three in the whole series, and they're always a good time. Well, I mean, I guess he's kind of around in the Dark Age isn't he? So he's around in Halloween, the Dark Age, this episode, and then there's an episode in season four that he's there for. And that's it. That's all we get of Ethan Rain, but it's always fun when some of his chaos is injected into the world. So I gotta give him MVP this episode just because he's the reason for the excitement and the humor of this episode. It's a lot of fun. Um, as far as ratings, I didn't rate it as highly as I thought I would. Like, enjoyability in the 5x5 ratings, I gave it a 4.5, so that's pretty high. But then I only gave it a 3 for clarity of message, because I don't really know what the metaphor is supposed to be in this episode. So if I don't know what the fucking message is, maybe I'm just too tired to realize it. Um... Well, the only thing I can think is, you know, parents are people too. They also did stupid things when they were teenagers. I don't know. Maybe that is somehow the point of this. I don't know. <laughs> don't think so. Um, so I gave it a three for clarity because it's not clear to me what this episode is supposed to represent. And most episodes above here are supposed to be 
horror metaphors for real life. And I don't really know what they're trying to say with this one. So sorry, I don't have deeper insights tonight. So that gives the episode a final score of 13.5. Not that it matters because it just doesn't. (laughs) For some reason, I still cling to my five by five ratings idea, even though it just doesn't really translate necessarily. Like 13.5 doesn't sound very good, but this is one of my very favorite episodes. It is. It's just fun. Except for the stupid Xander Willow shit. So that is Band Candy. I will see you guys next week where we will talk about Revelations. That's going to be a heavier episode um, because that's the one. I don't even remember what else happens in this episode. I don't even remember how it happens. But that I do know that that is the one where everybody finds out that Buffy has been harboring Angel and that he's been back for a while. I mean, at this point, he's been back for one, two, three, like a month. Is that right? I think that's right. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So next week, we will deal with the, the heaviness of all of that. And yeah. I'll see you then. I will be better. I will be more well-rested next week. I promise. (laughs) Because next week, um, at this time in the week, I will have had a couple days off. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in a good place at this time next week, I think. So I will talk to you guys then. Bye!